One of the classes that I took in college that really changed me was a course that I took on the history of architecture. And I had an eccentric professor who um, was a big personality. He was somewhat famous. His name was Vincent Scully. And he would speak about architecture and what it meant with such feeling that you felt that same passion that he had while you listened to him talk about architecture. You understood that it mattered because to him, architecture, design, was a moral pursuit. Good buildings, beautiful, well-made structures could actually lift lives up. And of course, the opposite was also true. Here, in this space, this beautiful building that we get to enjoy, we had a designer named Benjamin Latrobe more than 200 years ago, who was one of the few trained architects back at that time in this city. And when he built this room, this holy space, he was so proud of it. And allegedly, he wrote to his friends to say that when people came to Washington, D.C., and they would see St. John's and walk inside, they would instantly become people of faith. So Latrobe was not a humble man. <laughs> but he cared about what he was doing. And he cared about serving others by building structures that would elevate souls. And I think about how pleased he would be to know that this space continues to inspire people who enter into it all these years later. I think he would probably forgive us for adding a bell tower six years after, which he did not approve, by the way. <laughs> now this word that we hear in the gospel is a word that we don't hear people say that often in common usage, but in the Bible we get it more often. It's the word abide. Jesus says this word multiple times, especially in the Gospel of John, abide. Abide in me as I abide in you. Now in modern usage, the word abide, sometimes we hear it in the sense of to abide by the rules or to abide with something or other, is to get along with or to go along with. But in the biblical sense of the word, it is to dwell in, like to climb into the tent, to abide in that structure, in that space. And we hear Jesus say, abide in me as I abide in you. I dwell in you. And I ask you to dwell in me. Abide in my love, he says, multiple times. And to abide in his love is something that we cannot do with just part of us. We have to go in with all of our being, our full selves. Now, since the beginning of human history, human beings have been building things, creating structures, creating shelter, places in which to live and to abide. And human beings have also been creating structures of another kind. Not structures with wood and plaster and stone, but with relationships, with ideas, with systems. We build these tents as well, and we get to choose which of these structures in which to abide. Sadly, in architecture, not all structures are built beautifully. 
Not all architecture is good architecture. Human beings have made the Sistine Chapel and Hagia Sophia and Falling Water, Grand Central Terminal. But human beings have also made the FBI building <laughs> and Penn Station. In fact, the most angry I ever saw Professor Scully was when he talked about Pennsylvania Station in New York City, and he showed slides of the old Penn Station with the soaring arches, and he said you would walk in and feel this grand elevated feeling, and they destroyed that. And they built something so that they could have Madison Square Garden on top and a maze that you go through. He says, now you feel like a rat. Well, in the social realm of structures, human beings have also created beautiful things. We have created democracy. We have created service organizations and hospitals and systems of neighbors caring for one another. But human beings have also created Jim Crow and the Holocaust and the caste system in India. It's the difference between abiding in love and abiding in fear. Sometimes we build beautiful structures and sometimes ugly and brutal structures. And I'm convinced that only if we learn to live in love will we be empowered to build in love as well. In her book that is relatively new titled Cast, The writer Isabel Wilkerson lays out a compelling and vividly researched argument that in order to really understand race relations in this country, we have to look beyond just the concept of racism, but actually to a caste system that has been built around race. Ms. Wilkerson herself, who is black, gives a poignant personal example from her own life. Now, she is a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, and some years back, she was writing for the New York Times, and she had a story that she was researching on retailers in Chicago, and she had a number of people that she had set up to have interviews with. In the final of the interviews, she arrived at the office of this large, well-known retailer, and she had set this up by making some phone calls and When she arrived, the secretary greeted her and said, oh, I'll go in and get my boss so that you can interview him. And the man came out from his office and and met her, and, and he said, well, thank you for visiting. Unfortunately, I don't have time to meet with you today because I have a very important appointment right now. I am going to be interviewed by the New York Times. And then she said, I am the New York Times. I called you. I set this up. She said, no, you're not the person I spoke to on the phone. I'm waiting for the New York Times uh, writer to come and meet with me. And this went on for a while. And eventually he said, if you really are the writer from the New York Times, I need to see your business card. So she got out her wallet and found that she had already passed out all of her cards and didn't have any left. And he said, well, I need to see your driver's license if it's really you. She never revealed which retailer it was that, that she had this encounter with, and unfortunately, this person missed out on his chance to do something that meant a lot to him to be featured in that story. But the point that she was making 
was that he had a structure in his mind, an idea of status, and certain things were up here like the New York Times. And even though he was a smart person, he wasn't able to open himself to see something that would be surprising, that the New York Times could be embodied by a person like her. And she goes on to lay out the argument in showing how the caste system has been built brick by brick over hundreds of years. And in fact, she says there are pillars that hold it up. And she lays out what the various pillars are, but just to give you one of those pillars, one example, she talks about endogamy, which is the practice of banning relations or banning marriage across different races. Did you know it was in 1691 that Virginia became the first colony to outlaw marriage between blacks and whites? And while there was never a law across all 50 states, 41 states had laws on the books making it illegal to marry across the races. And it's incredible to me to think that it wasn't until 1967 that the Supreme Court struck that down. And even so, it took years for all the states to ultimately comply. And the last state to do so was Alabama in the year 2000. There has been and there remains much work to do. And with hope and with faith, and in no small part, courage. What has been built by human beings can be dismantled by human beings with God's help. Our only prayer in doing so is if we listen to Jesus and abide in his love. And only then can we build in love too. And I believe we can do this. I think of the great architect the English architect Christopher Wren, who rebuilt the city of London after it was destroyed in the Great Fire in 1666. Um, he built dozens of churches, and his big masterpiece, of course, was St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And that's where Christopher Wren is actually buried. And his grave is a very simple grave. It has no adornment, there's no decoration, um, no statues around him but just a simple carved piece of stone that says in Latin that this is where Christopher Wren lies. And it says, reader, if you seek his monument, look around you. St. Paul's itself is a monument to the creativity of that particular designer. And not only St. Paul's, but the city of London itself that he rebuilt. The whole city. And imagine if we could have monuments with our own lives as Christopher Wren did. But instead of monuments of stone and brick, monuments of love. Amen.